You're listening to the first episode of season two of the Beam Life podcast, the interview edition. I am so excited to kick off this season with my fave Beam babe, Alexandra Prosk, who also happens to be my sister. She graduated from the University of Texas with her Master of Science as a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. Wrap your brain around that one, Beam Babes. Today, she's going to be talking to us about the importance of mental health and how she used her own struggles to connect and help others. I thought this is a great way to help all of us who have been dealing with some anxiety and depression during this COVID pandemic, um, as well as be able to know when it might be time to go see and seek professional help. Um, We answer questions about medication. We address all the things. And I am so excited to share the story of my sister with all of you guys. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. So let's get this season two party started. Welcome to the Beam Life Podcast, a rad and soulful show designed to set your heart on fire. As a hive, we will chat all things lifestyle, dig deep on how to achieve your wildest dreams, discover your confidence, and live the most fierce version of you. Yes, Beam Babe! You can be everything and more. Here's your host, the Beam Boss herself, Caitlin. Hi, Kati! Hi, Zandy. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited, guys. So um, what is going on, Beam Babes? I am so excited to be back recording um, the podcast and kicking off season two, which I am calling the interview edition, as you can see by our video here. Um, And I am with my fave Beam Babe, Alexandra Prosk, who I call Zandy, and she also happens to be my sister. Um, and she's going to be talking to us today about the importance of mental health and how she used her own struggles to connect and help others. Um, and she also just told me it's mental health awareness month, which I am like, yes, we're totally on brand right now. Um, and I also wanted to start with this topic of mental health for our series of interviews, um, because I strongly believe that the mind is the most important thing we have to take care of, right? So it's an extremely stressful time now throughout our country and really the world. We're currently uh, recording this during the COVID-19 pandemic uh, where there's, you know, and that's why the beauty of technology and Zoom, we're able to, to do this, which is awesome. But plus she also lives in Texas. So it's really neat that we can connect this way. But on the flip side of that, so many of us, uh, myself included, are going through Um, some situational anxiety and depression, and whether that's caused from, you know, loneliness or isolation or just missing routine, um, possible job loss, or now that you are, you know, a parent and you've become a teacher or you're taking care of the elderly, um, like parents, um, all the fake news and social media and the uncertainty and the fear, you know, you can keep going on and on and on. And it's no wonder that I'm sure as you've seen, cause we were just talking about how it's just skyrocketed, um, that the mental health industry has exploded, um, since this pandemic started. So, 
Um, Alexandra graduated at the top of her class from the University of Texas with a Master of Science as a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. I can barely even <laughs> say that. It's like 10,000 <laughs> letters um, behind your name. It literally would make your head spin. Um, she's also an accomplished uh, musician, a wife, a full-time career bean babe, and the mama of two fur babies. So I'm really excited um, because this is an opportunity for me to hear my sister share her story and also for her to share it with all of you guys. Um, and I hope that you get some really helpful information because I know some of the conversation we've had even off camera has been really, really insightful and helpful for me. And I hope that you can either um, use it for yourself either now or in the future when something arises or when you're going through um, a difficult time or you can help a loved one, right? So um, without further ado, um, let's get going. So, hey girl, hey. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, you are very inspiring to me in terms of pursuing this dream of, um, you know, being the beam boss. So I appreciate it. I love it. We're all our own beam boss. And that's what it's about is creating this community of, yeah, fierce women, <laughs> um, beam babes coming together in community and bringing all of our strengths to help each other out. So I know you're super busy. It. So Thank you so much for um, carving out time for your big sis. All right. So um, before we kind of dive into what you're doing now and helping out, I know it's important to kind of know what your story is. So tell me a little bit about, because even though I was there, I, you know, am older and I did go off to college and I was, um, you know, that crazy teen. <laughs> so I would love to know from your experience, um, what your experience is with mental health and how that was growing up. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of factors kind of go into our mental health. Um, you know, we had, thankfully, and I'm very grateful that we had a wonderful you know, family growing up. We are a little um, cray town sometimes, but for the most part, we're all loving and we can find support in someone. Um, and, but we did kind of go through some struggles, you know, our parents divorced when we were really young and I'm a middle child. And so I, Definitely. Um, I guess my own personal characteristics are that I was a very kind of high achiever. I set really high expectations for myself, sometimes to the point of being unreasonable. Um, and so I think with that, I kind of just have always had an anxious temperament. And so my anxiety really kind of started ramping up, I'd say like in middle school. And I started developing some kind of gastrointestinal upset, which is actually usually kind of the first time first sign when you're kind of a kid or an adolescent that mm. it's kind of your gut is tied to the brain. So um, I actually originally sought help for that. And then uh, my primary care doctor was like, well, maybe it's anxiety. So that's kind of how I entered into that sort of world. But then um, my anxiety kind of continually got worse. And then in high school, I developed really severe depression it was very debilitating. Like I couldn't get out of bed. I was missing school. Um, I was isolating from people. Um, it stinks that depression is um, kind of encourages you to isolate from people who could potentially help you. Sure. Um, and so it's just kind of this really bad, negative, vicious cycle. And it's physically painful and 
as well as emotionally painful. And some days like just did not want to start my day. I did not want to engage with life. So it got really severe, like rock bottom. But some part of me was um, fighting for, you know, you can do this. Um, you can live your life. This sucks. But, um, you know, there is help and some part of you wants to keep going. And so I kind of, um, that's kind of like the survivor voice kind of talking. And I think eventually over time, I've kind of, you know, that voice becomes louder and louder until it's like you finally re-engage with life and, um, and purpose. And um, a lot of people helped me along the way. I know we're probably going to kind of talk about the specifics. And it's been a journey. Um, you know, I think there's, um, at least with anxiety, sometimes you're not fully recovered from it, but it's a, ma a matter of kind of managing it, um, learning how to tolerate it, building your skill toolbox to really kind of be successful. Um, so that's kind of my, my personal journey with it. I'm still on it. I'll be on it yeah. the rest of my life. <laughs> sure. And I, and I like that you point that out, that it's not just like, oh, it happened and we're done now that I'm an adult, right? Um, as you've recognized, it's something that you're going to continue to deal with, but because you've sort of built your toolbox, you have, you know, gone for help and you have, um, been open-minded to finding something that's going to work for your lifestyle. You're able mm -hmm. to sort of function regularly, very high, you know, high functioning, graduating top of your class. And, and we're going to find out more about what you're doing now. Um, but I think that that's amazing. And, um, two other things that I think you said that I want to make sure everyone hit hits home on is that you said your brain is related to your gut. Um, you know, this is not, I always say that, but I don't have any kind of letters behind my name besides Bean Boss. And um, <laughs> so this is coming from somebody who knows what the heck they're talking about, that taking care of your gut, which, you know, that's by your nutrition and fueling yourself properly ultimately is affecting your brain, right? So that's a good place to start. And maybe if you're having some gut problems, that's a good intuition. So I want to make sure all of our bean babes who are listening heard of that because I think that's really, really huge. And the second thing you said that I think is really important is purpose, right? So I also drive this home a lot. Um, but when we have a purpose and purpose means a lot of things to different people, but it's just whatever that thing is that kind of, like you said, it's that survivor. Like I, I just am going to do this because I know that there's this, right. And I think that without a purpose and really truly without that inside intuition, that knowing it's very easy to get lost. But if we always kind of can hold on to that purpose, um, there's, there's a way out of this. So having purpose, um, is, you know, to me a home run. And if nobody else gets anything out of this podcast, but having purpose, I think that that's huge. So thank you for picking up on those couple things because, um, just in sharing your journey alone in that little snapshot, you know, people can get so much and also being vulnerable and having the courage to do that. Cause I know that also there's a stigma behind, you know, the mental health. So, um, thank you. So, and I know that also when we were talking a little bit off camera, you know, it seems like based off everything you were telling me, there's really kind of three main ways people 
either kind of cope or deal or kind of figure out what's going to be best for their um, mental health situation. And it seems that it's either through medication and it could be, I guess, a combination of all these things too, mm-hmm. right? Um, medication, therapy, or behavior or social, social changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, how did you personally, um, deal with all of this? What route did you choose and what were sort of the positive outcomes from going through all those different things? Yeah, definitely. So I guess I'm a little biased since I am a prescriber. I'll start with medication, but by no means is that the most important component of this. Um, They're all very, can be very useful and important. But from a medication standpoint, I um, I really benefited from seeing um, a psychiatrist and I've kind of even still kept in check with a mental health professionals even throughout my whole life up to this day. Um, but specifically during that time that I was mentioning where it was a very kind of dark place, um, I saw a psychiatrist who really helped kind of get me on the right regimen to kind of lift me from that, that place. And then, um, and we'll kind of talk more about kind of what I do and I'll kind of incorporate that. But, um, The second thing, therapy, um, is super important because when I was talking about building your, your skill toolbox, um, therapy is often focused on kind of distress tolerance. What do you do when these really shitty emotions start bubbling up? And, um, you know, there's, do you resist them? Do you accept them? Do you, everyone's kind of got their own way of helping you work through that. But I know specifically, I started therapy in high school and that was a huge game changer because it was this kind of consistent place that I could go every week. I knew that one hour I didn't have to do homework. I didn't have to deal with, uh, fighting siblings, siblings (laughs) (laughs) or driving my brother somewhere or anything. That was like my hour to really focus on myself and make the investment in myself. Um, and so therapy is something I've continued throughout life as well. I think it's such an important component, really, even if you don't necessarily think you have like a, a mental health issue. I mean, it's always, I think, helpful to have someone to um, bounce ideas off of and gain kind of insight. Maybe someone reflects something to you that you didn't realize because you're living in your, your brain 24-7. So um, Then to speak to the last part, kind of the behavioral and social aspect of it, um, social connection is so important um, in terms of uh, mental mental health and preserving it. Um, We are social creatures. We are designed to um, connect with other humans. Our brains are literally designed to almost make this invisible kind of connection that we call um, attunement and um, really kind of connecting with someone and clicking with them and to be understood and to understand someone else and to build trust. Um, it just gives you a sense of kind of calm and peace. Um, that's what we are kind of created to do. Um, and then behavioral changes. So, um, you know, old habits die hard. So it's a matter of like, Oh, do I know that one? <laughs> making things kind of a routine once again kind of that the consistency like um it brings a sense of peace to your life and um you know winding down before you go to sleep or cutting off strains before you go to sleep or um no matter what you know going on a walk even if it's 5 minutes with your your dog and your husband or something that brings you joy um and really um making that part of 
you know, your life consistently. So I think that those are all kind of the, kind of like the broad things that I think about when I actually interact with people professionally. Um, but also there are, you know, hobbies and leisure activities when we talk about like boring and my particular interest is, is um, music. I have been playing music since I was four and um, probably, I don't know, we probably were dancing around and singing in the living room before that, <laughs> but <laughs> totally like dressing up like Richard Simmons and stuff. It was amazing. But uh, probably not at three. Uh, but anyway, I have lo always loved music. It's been my escape and, um, it helps me to kind of, uh, foster like my creative mind and create something new and it's not, nothing's right or wrong. I just get to make something up. And, um, I know that you used to, I used to like blast my piano in the living room just to annoy you. <laughs> But um, I've joined um, like many different bands. It's kind of a different way to communicate with people, you know, without words. And you're kind of, I feel like it's this kind of unspoken way of showing like um, kind of what's going on inside once again without even having to say anything, which I talk a lot. So it's nice to have like this different mode of communication with other people and connecting with them. Um, so yes, hobbies, leisure, things that identifying things that restore you, it's huge energy. Yeah, I kind of talk about it as like energy out energy in, you know, you give, mm. you give, 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 what kind of energy, how do you restore your energy? Sure. So it sounds like even, um, medication, I guess it would be also circumstantial and depending on the person. Mm -hmm. But, um, then having that person, that therapy, that one-on-one, -on -one, but definitely the behavior and the social changes too. Cause it's like, you kind of are a product of your environment. So mm -hmm. putting yourself in a safe place where you can start to heal and come out of those situations and you feel okay to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's so beautiful, you know, like you said, growing up, um, yes, you blasting the piano totally annoyed <laughs> the crap out of me, um, especially when I was having friends over. But I do think that it's so beautiful that through um, this time in your life that you found music and not only did you find it, but you're actually quite amazing at it. Um, and you've been able to have bands and play live. And I mean, I've never known anyone that could just like get up and do that. And I mean, you have always learned by listening and it's amazing. It's amazing. So I think it's, if there's, you know, when we have behavior and social changes while at the beginning can feel uncomfortable, um, knowing that there could be like light at the end of the tunnel and picking up a brand new hobby is, is huge. Um, and mm -hmm. also stimulating, you know, our brain and our creative cycle. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's awesome. So I know you talked a little bit about kind of your, um, professional side, but tell us more specifically about what you're doing now post-graduation. Yeah. So, um, I, my training was specializing in psychiatry and mental health and, um, went to UT for two years. And then I started working at an outpatient psychiatry practice, which is very, um, unique in its approach. Um, in that we really, even though I provide medication management services, it's done in a therapeutic way where, you know, I collaborate with the healthcare team, therapists, um, 
whoever else is on kind of the healthcare team to make sure that we're kind of providing this kind of holistic approach to care and it's not kind of segmented and fractured. Um, and so I, um, my primary role is to um, do kind of psychiatric evaluations, diagnose people um, and with um, mental disorders um, and then prescribe medication and then um, kind of follow up with them long-term over time to assess, you know, how they've responded to it, making changes. Um, and I really, really enjoy um, this setting in particular because I love um, making long-term relationships with people and watching them succeed and um, respond well to medications and totally just make a complete turnaround and, you know, engage with life again. It's a really cool experience. There are a lot of challenges too, but, um, sure. Overall, (laughs) overall, it's a really inspiring, um, profession to be in and also a profession where making sure that I'm, you know, restoring at the end of the day where that's super critical because I need to be kind of present for them throughout the day. And so my duty to myself, not only to myself, but to them is to, you know, restore and focus on, um, on my own care as well. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've always, I've always wondered that. I'm sure that would be like a whole another podcast segment, but you know, I'm thinking strongly about healthcare professionals right now in general, not just mental Mm -hmm. health, but all of our um, frontline people right now. And that includes not just the medical and healthcare, but like our grocery store workers who are overtime and yes. delivery people, all these essential totally. businesses. I mean, they are probably completely drained, right? It's yeah. like, so how are they taking care of themselves? And I know at the end, we are going to talk a little bit about some tools because, um, yeah, that's something that we're all facing now is just overdrive all the time. And, um, and I, I totally suffer from that my whole life, not just through COVID-19, but just in general. And I think it's really important. What you said is being able to restore ourselves too, so that we can show up and be, you know, our best. Um, so I think that that is, is really major. And then also, like you said, helping people change their life. I mean, that is so huge. Um, and me in the fitness industry, it's very similar parallels, um, where you can create those long-term relationships and then watching somebody thrive is, I don't think Mm -hmm. anything more rewarding, um, in, in the world, honestly. So we couldn't do, do, um, do our lives without people like you. So super grateful. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit specifically also about women clientele and female clientele mm-hmm. that you see. Cause I mean, that's a majority of our beam life community. Um, mm-hmm. but what's the average age of women that you, uh, see in your practice? I actually see women in their twenties to thirties. I have some forties to sixties, but I'd say primarily twenties to thirties. I work very close to the UT campus. And so okay. we we see a lot of like students and teachers and gotcha. So what are the primary things like the top three to four things they're coming in for to see you? So usually depression, anxiety, um, sleep, and, um, believe it or not, even though this isn't directly necessarily treated by medications all the time, but a lot of people have, um, anxiety related to trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I see a lot of people with trauma. I see some people who suffer from eating disorders. Um, those are kind of my primary things that I, that I treat. Gotcha. And so I would say if I had, I I could have probably guessed a majority of those because I do think that, um, you know, there's a lot of studies shown with just the social media influence and the pressures of society and all of that. It can always feel like we're constantly being told to, you know, the famous quote, keeping up with the Joneses, um, Mm -hmm. or whatever. And it can be very stressful because what our version of reality, um, it can be a little warped, um, Mm -hmm. sometimes. So I think that there is, um, to me, I love knowing that that's really the majority of your clientele because I think there's power in knowing you're not alone. Right. So Mm -hmm. if it's somebody dealing with an eating disorder or somebody dealing with depression, um, or trauma, and they might be feeling a little timid about talking to somebody because they feel so alone. And I can see, especially now, right in this isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are at home with people creating trauma. So there's that whole situation too, right? So it's like finding an outlet can be um, difficult, but knowing you're not alone. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you just heard it from Alexandra herself that a majority of people seeing her are facing these issues. So, um, you're not alone, not alone. And I think that's really, really huge. Um, you know, I've shared a lot of my personal story in the beam life community, um, and in previous podcasts. And, um, I've mentioned several times how therapy has been a game changer for me. Um, and no, I do not see my sister for therapy. Um, <laughs> conflict of interest. You. <laughs> conflict of interest. Um, but I did go to her, um, when I was looking for a one-on-one therapist because I had done couples therapy before and I had done like some situational stuff. Um, but nothing that where I had established a long-term relationship with anyone one-on-one and it was like a very new thing for me. Um, so I would love for you to share the process you shared with me about finding a therapist cause it was very helpful. So for those of us looking for a therapist, um, where we go. And again, this is not anything sponsored or anything like that. This is what she, how she helped me. And I hope the same advice can apply to you if you're looking for a therapist. Yeah. So, um, there is a site that is really helpful for people. Um, it's called psychology today. Once again, I am not, they are not our sponsor, but, um, it happened to be really helpful because you can actually look up your zip code and, um, it'll pop up with all the therapists that are available. It'll show, um, what kind of insurance they accept, um, what their rates are. And then, um, it also has a blurb about kind of what they do, their approach, and then also kind of some of the issues that they, um, are trained in or that they usually help people with. Um, like life transitions or depression or ADHD or, or what have you. Um, and so it's really helpful because you have kind of a wide variety of options. You kind of can narrow it down by, you know, if you do need to use insurance, that's really helpful to have it just right there. And then um, kind of taking the next step, a lot of therapists will offer like a screening call. So maybe you could even talk to them for like, 15 minutes or so and kind of see if you vibe well. Um, so those are kind of two, two things that I'd recommend. And then, um, I know that especially in COVID, um, 
in terms of other resources, like if that is not attainable. Um, I know a lot of counties have like a, a mental health line specifically for COVID related things. So that's mm. kind of out there too. Um, I know we have one that's in huge. I didn't, I didn't even know that. That's great. Yeah. So um, that's a good place to start. Um, Cause it really helps to, you know, not go into something completely cold and like not know what this person is about. Um, yeah. Kind of so. going through that interview process because it is, a relationship and you get really vulnerable and, um, and there's different types of therapies and, and they all specialize in different things. And, um, yeah. And so I actually went through a couple and I think that knowing that you have the option to do those screening calls is really, really huge. And, and to not, um, skip that part because, Mm -hmm if you're not feeling it right, the chances of really being able to have a full experience, um, is probably minimal. Um, I would guess because you're not feeling like you're connecting with the person. So, um, yeah, again, you can, I, a psychology today is, is the website and this is not sponsored. Um, but it is a great, great, um, website and resource. So, um, if you guys are looking, um, for a place, I hope that helps you guys. So, Also, I wanted to share because we were also talking off camera again about what are some of the main questions you get as a healthcare um, professional. And I was really fascinated by the questions and I wanted to share them with our beam babes um, because I figure if they're common questions that you're getting all the time, it's probably the same that our community has. So is that okay if we kind of share those questions? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. So the first question you said that was most commonly asked to you is when should I look for a healthcare professional? So, um, and we're talking about specifically in regards to mental health, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, I really think about it in terms of, um, sometimes when people are looking for mental health, it's easiest to maybe compare it to like a medical model in that if you broke your leg, if you um, develop diabetes, if you have uh, a heart arrhythmia, um, you know, we sometimes we don't even think twice about just going to uh, a provider and getting that kind of treated. Um, but we, that's not always as intuitive when you're talking about the brain. Um, I think there's a lot of stigma out there about um, seeking uh, mental health or help for mental health. Um, but when you think about it, um, in determining any treatment decision, I always have people think about like what level of impairment is happening because of Mm. these symptoms. Is it keeping you back from, you know, on the basic level, self care? Is it really affecting your work? Is it affecting your relationship with your friends and family? Um, you know, how taking a step back and just first recognizing like this is becoming unmanageable and I need help. Um, and so I think of it in terms of level of impairment and then also, you know, all of your consultations are, are confidential. If you just want to walk in and see what something is all about and talk with a healthcare professional and you feel like at the end of the day, that's not the right choice for you. You've at least given yourself one more option. You've given yourself more information to make decisions that are right for you. So it's no healthcare professionals, um, uh, they're not driven by like forcing you to do things. We're here to basically kind of give you our advice, our training, 
prepare you with the information that you need to know in order to make decisions for your own health. So um, that's kind of my approach to that. Yeah. I think that that is um, so important too, is like you said, comparing it to our physical needs, same as mental needs. Because again, for some reason, the brain being the most important you know, organ in our body, for some reason, if we've got something going on up here, we're scared to go get it looked at. But if it's our heart, it's like, we're going tomorrow. Um, so yeah, not to be afraid. And like you said, no one even has to know. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of times where, you know, I, I, especially being babes that I know they're going through something, whether it be in their relationship or personally, and they're not even at the place where they're ready to tell their spouses or their Mm -hmm. significant other or their family. Um, and so being able to seek treatment and know that it's completely confidential and private is a big deal. Um, especially in our society today where everything is shared everywhere. Um, yeah. it's really nice to know you have that space. So, um, yeah, I can totally see why people would ask that because it's not intuitive to our society yet to be mm-hmm. able to go and just say, well, duh, I'm going to go to a therapist or look for a therapist. Cause I'm having a hard time. That's sort of like the last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's huge. So the second question, um, you shared with me is when would medication be appropriate for me? And I know this is obviously a very broad question, but, mm-hmm. um, as narrow as you can, um, what would the answer be to that question? So the biggest thing that stands out is, you know, if you're having, you know, suicidal thoughts, thoughts of hurting yourself, thoughts of hurting other people, of course, you know, you need to start with a higher level of care. And then usually medications really help you lift, lift you from that really kind of dangerous place. That's the most obvious, but kind of everything leading to that. Um, there are, there's lots of gray area and there's no, you know, definite answer to this question. Um, it depends on, you know, the person, like, are they able to afford therapy weekly? Maybe, you know, all I can afford right now is this generic antidepressant it's working for me. Otherwise I've got a, you know, really crazy life and I'm the only person who makes income in my family. So this is what I can do right now. Um, for other people, they may, um, have tried therapy for six months and, uh, feel like there's just something that they can't get past. Um, there's a barrier. Um, and so maybe kind of exploring the medication option is, um, is the good next step for them. Um, it, once again, it comes back to that level of like of impairment and risk benefit. Like, yes, there are medication side effects. Um, we try and minimize them. That's our job. We try and do the best good and the least harm. But, um, you know, there's the risk, there's a stigma um, associated with it. But once again, think of it as kind of a physical health complaint. So you're kind of weighing that against like how much you are struggling with it. Right. Um, and so that's a decision that's different for everyone you know, it's, it's a risk and it's scary to venture into that territory if you've never been on a medication for brain health before. But, um, those are kind of the things that kind of come up when I think about that. Yeah. And I know that it kind of segues into the third question, which if somebody's already on medication or just getting on medication, there's that double question of, oh my gosh, am I going to have to be on this the rest of my life? And is there something wrong with me? 
you know, that's probably a huge question you get with me. I even think, is there something wrong with me going to therapy? Right. Um, so I'm sure that kind of goes with or without medication, but is seeking mental health, is there something wrong with us? And if you're on medication, do you have to be on it forever? Right. Sort of a two part question. Um, but I know you said those are pretty common. So how would you um, address those concerns? So for the, do I have to be medicated forever? Um, there are, there's certain conditions out there where it is, it's best treatment for kind of lifelong indefinite treatment to prevent kind of further worsening or deterioration or episodes because it's a persistent disorder, things like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. Um, and then after that, kind of the more severe mental illness um, and even depression can be very kind of persistent and kind of come back without um, preventative medication. It really depends on the person. Um, what I tell people in the first session is that this is an ongoing conversation. I'm always here to talk about your concerns. If you feel like this medication is not right for you, I want to work with you to find one that does, or I can make a referral to you know, a therapist. I want to make sure that this feels right to you and that we're minimizing you know, side effects and getting the best out of this for you. It's not my job to force you to be on anything. Um, we have to work. It's not going to do me any good to prescribe you something that you're not going to take. So it's kind of a team process. Totally. And um, so I have people who have done really, really well. They had like a hard thing happen in their life. It kind of led into a depression, anxiety. They've been on a medication for, you know, six months to a year. Um, and then we kind of talk about it. Okay. You've built your skills. You've worked with a therapist. You kind of built your support, you've, your foundation back. Um, you know, if we want to talk about maybe coming off the medication, see how we do, I think this is an appropriate time to do it. Um, that sort of thing. So it's an ongoing conversation, um, really varies for everyone. Um, lifestyle changes are huge in this regard. Um, once again, about like building everything else so that when you if you do decide to come off of it, there's that support to hold you up. Yeah. That's, huge. and then this, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I said that that's huge is, is having that support system catch you, especially, um, probably during the process of supporting you through it. Cause there could be, like you said, some side effects, um, or it might not work and you might have to try something else, but also, you know, never just going off of it on your own yeah, free will. Like it should always be something advised by your mental health professional. Um, and it's working collaborative as a team. Um, yes. and I think that that's really important that you said is again, when you're looking for a therapist, that people should also be looking for someone that feels like a teammate, like a team player. Yes, um, exactly. and that you feel like you can have that conversation with. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah. And then the second part is, is something wrong is with something me? <laughs> so, Don't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's off camera. Um, so I don't think there's wrong. I think there's different and everyone's body is made differently and everyone brings their own collection of experiences, um, to get to them to that exact moment in time. And, um, so I think if we, we flip or that's, you know, I try and have people, well, I always try and kind of focus on there may be something that you're struggling with, but there's a part of you that is advocating. There's a part of you that says, 
I think I could change. Um, I kind of turn it into, you know, there's always competing interests in our mind, right? And so I try and kind of pull from the side of you that is engaged in care, the side of you that does want to be here, the side of you that is willing to try something that's new and scary. And, you know, not neglecting that, that part of ourselves um, versus focusing on the, the part that we're struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always going to be the yin and the yang. I don't know if that's the correct term. I mean, um, way to use that, but, um, there's always kind of that balance. So whenever someone asks me that, um, you know, I validate that there's struggles and there's also something in you that's ready to do this. Yeah. I think that knowing again, we're not alone and we're not probably the only person that has ever felt this way is important too, because, um, I think we're all a little different in our own unique, right. You know, um, and that's what makes it a beautiful and very messy collective sometimes. Yes. Um, but there is a uh, beauty in the mess as I always like to say. So, um, yeah, knowing that there's that, um, part of us that wants to change and seek a better way of living. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and not having to deal with the struggles and knowing there's a way to do that by working with somebody. So, Um, yeah, I really appreciate you answering those, like, I'm sure burning questions for a lot of people. Um, but lastly, I wanted to leave our, you know, beam babe and beam life community, um, with some tools that they can use when they are struggling. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I think there are a lot of people experiencing some situational anxiety and depression right now due to the pandemic. Um, however, I think that there's also going to be like when this is all over, kind of how you get back to normal life and how all of this yes. adjusts and the separation from the kids and all of that. We've been so used to this and now we are separate. So, um, and even if during the pandemic, God bless you, if everything is happy, go lucky and amazing, you might have something else that comes up later down the line, right? Whether that's like starting a business or public speaking or loss of a loved one or having to have a difficult conversation or change in life and relationship and all that kind of stuff. So how um, we deal with that is really important. And these feelings are going to continue to come up at different times in our life. So what are some things that we can do um, that might help subside those feelings if it is situational and we know it's very temporarily and we're not necessarily either the healthcare professional we want to see might be booked a few weeks out or um, we don't feel like uh, we don't necessarily need to see somebody right now, but I am feeling weighed down by these. So some mm-hmm. things that, you know, we could use for our toolbox that you've seen um, with, you know, the people you've worked with. I'd love to know some advice. Yeah. So um, obviously some of this is going to kind of cross over into the fitness realm. I mean, exercise is huge. Um, exercise has been shown to reduce inflammation and inflammation is actually kind of the new frontier in, in mental health. Um, and so just for so many reasons, I should have gone to med school. (laughs) Yeah. I preach it all the time. You do it. Just (laughs) back on another degree. Um, why not? (laughs) So exercise is huge. You know, it gets, sometimes it connects you with people. If you go to like fitness class, um, if you go outside, it, you know, you're getting your vitamin D. So I think, um, 
something that reminded me, you said, as we transition back to quote unquote, post COVID life, um, really maybe sitting down and identifying what are these things that actually mattered kind of during this really hard time? Like what was the major difference? Like, how did it feel like to actually be able to sit down with my daughter every night? Like, um, and read her story kind of keeping those things close, you know, um, because this really in a way helped us to identify what kind of matters most to us at the, you know, with everything else kind of going to shit sometimes, you know, what was it that kind of kept you going? What was the, the simple things in life and try and hold on to those and continue those. Um, so once again, yeah, exercise and then make sure that you're kind of staying on a good sleep s- schedule um, you know, restorative sleep is essential for functioning, focus, concentration, uh, mental health in general. Um, you know, your diet, of course, um, not ascribing to any one, but just the general rule of thumb, um, you know, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, less processed food. Um, once again, reduce that inflammation. Um, and back to the gut and the brain, uh, 95 roughly 95% of your serotonin, which is your main neurotransmitter involved in depression and anxiety is in the gut. So Mm. um, once again, I liked what you said earlier about kind of diet and making sure you're taking care of your gut. Um, And then two um, people, two women um, authors who have really inspired me and helped me through uh, kind of with my perfectionistic tendencies and being very hard on myself um, that I wanted to share with you. One is um, Kristen Neff. Um, She's a professor at UT who's done a lot of research in self-compassion. And um, this helps us to kind of accept that, hey, we are, we're imperfect beings and that's okay. And, um, you know, having this voice kind of barking at you that you're not doing the right thing, um, you know, constantly day in, day out, who, you know, if someone keeps screaming at you to do something, are you, is that really going to inspire you to do it? No, but we continually do that to ourselves for some reason. We are wired that way. But um, this, the book that she came out with, Self-Compassion, is, has been really kind of eye-opening in terms of, um, kind of being at peace with emotions and not resisting them, actually allowing them to exist. And um, kind of when you do that, when you break away the resistance, it actually makes the process a lot more intuitive and calming and you're able to kind of move through more. And then the second book is um, Start Where You Are by Pema Chodron. Chodron? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct, but she's. Um, I believe a monk and she, her book start where you are is also about the same thing as kind of getting in touch with, um, you know, loving, loving yourself and having compassion for yourself. And I think a lot of times people kind of get that confused with like self-indulgence or being self-obsessed and it's real, it's, that's kind of misleading because it's not about that. Right. It's actually, <laughs> um, it's about giving yourself a break. And that's really hard in American society. It's really hard as someone who's, you know, got high expectations for themselves, who, who takes on a lot of roles. And um, 
So those are two things that were really, really important to me. And then also like journaling and kind of, especially if you start now kind of tracking what it is that's kind of bringing your life joy. And once again, holding on to that, I think journaling helps to identify those things and kind of get your thoughts out. Um, sometimes people like keep journals right by their bed so that all of those kind of worry thoughts that come um, right as your head is hitting the pillow and you actually, they're kind of resurfacing because you've suppressed them all day. Sometimes it's helpful to have like a little journal to kind of get those out before you go to bed. Um, but those are kind of some of my main recommendations. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about this post COVID life. Everyone's talking about right now. Right. And I think that there is going to be a huge, uh, adjustment period because a lot of us have been forced to slow down. And as you said, that's not common in American culture. It's go, 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 higher standards, work harder, do this, do more. Um, and we're always competing with somebody. And even if we don't know the person, we're like competing with them because we see them on social media and whatever they're portraying for some reason has to be right. So, um, it's this constant battle. And I know that I personally have gone through that. And I know that it's a big thing when I talk to a lot of especially beam babes, we have a lot in common and it's achieving. Right. Um, and so that's, that's a huge thing. And I think the journaling I've talked a lot about in my podcast, but it also, what journaling has allowed me to do is that it gives me something to talk to my therapist about when I do show up at those appointments, because there are times, right. There's days where we have those low periods and then a couple of days go by and we're like, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but if we can have that moment where we were in it, uh, and we can pull back from there. It's been at least really helpful to me as well. And I'm sure with your, you know, clients that you're seeing the same thing that they can reference exactly yes. in that moment, what it was yes. that triggered something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think those are all super helpful tools and, and remembering what's important and things that bring you joy and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah. And then thank you again for referencing those two books. I'll be sure to tag them in the comments on the podcast, awesome. um, because I know that we'll have some people who will want to read those, um, great books. So, um, I'm really, really grateful and excited that you shared all of this. And, um, I am mostly excited, uh, right now, because here is my favorite part of the podcast um, that we're going to um, be doing. And it's a chance for our audience to get to know um, our guest a little bit better. And um, it's what I'm calling the Beam Babe Lightning Round. Um, so it's a series of questions that I'm going to be asking you now um, and just answering whatever first comes to mind. And it can just be one word or a couple words. It doesn't have to be super in depth, but are you ready? I don't know. Let's go for it. <laughs> Let's do it. What do you got for me? Okay. First question is a beam babe is fear for sure. Love it. <laughs> Favorite song that always makes you dance. Holiday. Oh my God. Speaking my language. <laughs> Celebrate. Yeah. I'm um, currently awesome. reading. I I'm reading, it's called Eight Dates. And it sounds um, interesting. 
Yeah, it's actually a great one for um, couples. Um, it's actually creates eight dates with like questions that you ask each other to kind of reconnect. And I'm trying it out with Keith. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> I love it. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so all the all of our relationship uh, beam babes, check out eight dates. Um, a beam babe that inspires you. You, of course. Aww. You're my number one. Love you. <laughs> so sweet. I'm right back at you. Um, last thing that made you feel grateful. Mm. Definitely Keith. I love his bear hugs. For those of you guys that don't know, Keith is her husband. Yes. Um, Not some random person I just met today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When are you most inspired? When I'm playing music, for sure. I love it. And I know you inspire others by doing that too. What makes you laugh? Oh my gosh. Um, something that consistently makes me laugh. I thought about this earlier today was, uh, is the Christmas Mad Libs that we do. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good time. We've been doing that literally our whole life. Yeah. Um, favorite meal or food? It's a tough one between Yaya and Coco. Yaya's avalimino soup and Coco's sopa de coco. I love it. So uh, for you guys who don't know, Yaya is Greek for grandmother. It's our grandmother. Uh, grew up with amazing Greek food and avalimino is the best Greek soup ever. And uh, Coco is like our second mom. She took care of us growing up. So she has the best Mexican food in town um, ever. Like pointless yes. or anything else. So I totally would agree with you on that one. Um, <laughs> if you could raid anyone's closet in the whole world, who would it be? Oh gosh. Fashion is not necessarily my forte. Uh, <laughs> I know I raided your closet a lot, but I wouldn't say like your converse smelled so bad. So I wouldn't say your <laughs> Probably, I don't know. I like Kate Moss's style. A little punky, Ooh, little totally chic. Yeah. Love it. Very simple, chic, fab. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? Um, this is going to sound really weird, but I <laughs> like pulling the lint out of the dryer and throwing it behind the dryer and Keith gets really mad at me <laughs> instead of putting it in the trash can. I don't know. It's some weird thing that I have, but that's definitely my I love guilty it. pleasure. <laughs> I love it. Maybe you should seek some therapy for that. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> And uh, lastly, what makes you beam? I would say curiosity in life mm. and people. I love that. I love that curiosity. What a great answer. Um, anyway, so I'm going to leave you guys with that because I think it was all fabulous and amazing. And sis, I love you. Thank you Love so you. much for sharing all your fabulousness um, and your knowledge with all of us. And I am just beyond grateful for you. And I'm so happy you're this smart that you can share your talents with. Uh, <laughs> so I love I you. Being here with you. I love you. And uh, thank you. All right, Bean Babes. I hope you enjoy. As always, uh, drop me a little comment on what you picked up from today and uh, how this resonated with you. Until next time. Bye guys. The Beam Life podcast records episodes weekly and can be found on Instagram at the Beam Life and at beamlife.com.